As you can see from your program and uh, the set behind me, we begin today our summer series entitled Walk of Wisdom and a special thanks to Joe Blair and the worship and arts team as they, you know, do things like this. You know, it's not easy to do and it's, it's not to impress by any means, but it is to, to you know, what their, their role is to provide environments where we can worship and, and provide environments where we're reminded of the themes that we're in and, and they just do an amazing job uh, from week to week to do that. And so I'm grateful for their work to provide a place for us to do what we do. It's the wisdom literature, five books of the Old Testament. You got Job, uh, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon. And uh, we'll be in these through the summer now. We won't be doing expository teaching through those books. Don't, don't go there. What we'll do, it's a little different, of course, is we'll be taking parts of those books. And so Michael, Bill, and I will choose different, you know, it might be a psalm. I'm going to start a psalm today. That's how we're going to kick off the series. And might choose a part of Proverbs or something out of Ecclesiastes, etc. But we'll be doing that. Uh, under this rubric, under this series of Walk of Wisdom. You also got a preview last week, a, a, a thing inside the program that reminded you there, or told you there's going to be four guest speakers joining us. I can't wait. I'm very excited about the four men that will stand here and teach the Word in the month of June. And uh, I asked them specifically, I said, you know, we're doing a series in, called Walk of Wisdom. You don't have to teach from wisdom literature, but we want your wisdom through the years, would you, and I said, would you think about what you know now, you know, having lived these, you know, these guys 30, 40, 50 years in ministry, for, for where you are now, would you tell us what you wish you knew then? You know, what have you learned of God and life, the life of faith? And uh, that's what they'll be sharing with us as we uh, seek to walk in wisdom. I can't wait to hear from them. If you have your Bibles open to Psalm 77. Uh, 150 songs in the Psalter, the hymn book of the nation of Israel. Uh, I've picked this one and there's parts of me that I go, why did I pick this one? And I think I, think I picked it because I identify with it and relate to it. I want to kick off our series this summer with some rather hard, difficult thoughts, but I think it will, I uh, pray it'll soften our hearts for all that God has in store for us. This is one of the most troubling psalms in the whole Book. I will never forget the summer of 2007. It was July. It was hot. And I was sitting out on my back patio. Lisa and I were sitting back there. And uh, Gigi McMurray came by and just, you know, just to drop in visit. And, and I remember Gigi saying, how are you doing? And, and uh, I, I was not doing well. And uh, I remember, uh, you know, like now I go, I, I could have read her the first 10 verses of Psalm 77. He calls it his day of trouble. Uh, I call it, you know, a clinical depression. I was, I was entering into, I was in a depression. And um, I, I look back because I wanted to make sure I had the dates right. And you know how I skim all the way back, back all those years through my calendar. And there's those dates and there's what was going on. And it just gave me the willies just even kind of reflecting back on, on, on those days. But it was a time, you know, it's a time where, like the psalmist, I was crying to God. I was, take this away, help me through. What You know, you're crying to God and, and uh, it's not changing. And I could feel the weight of this depression begin to settle upon me. And, and I think in that moment, even when Gigi asked that question, there was that moment of clarity that for me it was, I'm not getting out of this on my own. There's something amiss. It, it, it's a troublesome place because this, okay, it's doubly troubling. Life is not working. That's a problem. But it's compounded by this. God's not working. It's not working. 
I'm doing everything you say for me to do. I'm practicing the spiritual. I'm, tr- I'm walking by. So you see, not only is life not working, I'm going to ask this question several times. Don't raise your hand. I'm just asking you to reflect on, you know, but, you know, life's not working and then God's not working. Have you ever been there? I have. Some of you are there now. Some of you will be. The psalm has something to say to us. As we open it and go through it, I think what he does is he gives voice, okay? He gives voice to these uh, unutterable feelings and thoughts that we have. And if I can say this, he gives us a way, uh, he gives us a way to stay in it and he gives us a way as we move through it. I want to be so careful here that I'm not saying this psalm is the one, two, three key to, to getting out of depression. That's not, I mean, I, I don't have time to go into, you know, the, 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 my own journey, but I got help and a lot of things related to that. But the psalm, you see, the psalmist, he, if I could say, a lady came up to me afterwards last service and said, you know, that kind of gave me permission to wonder some things I never, I never thought I should wonder. That's what the psalms do. Just crack it open and go, it's there. Let it out. You can say it. And that's what we'll find as we journey through this psalm. Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 77. 77, if you're there, you'll note the subscript says, the, for the choir director, according to Jeduthun, a psalm of Asaph. What we know is Jeduthun and Asaph, according to First Chronicles, were uh, two of the three key musicians, you know, worship leaders uh, for David. And so says that this is one that uh, Asaph penned. It's broken into so it's broken into a number of parts. Let me say this about the Psalms because we'll be in some other ones is is like there's no one in Nashville today, okay, writing a song for the purpose of it being studied. <laughs> Why do they write songs? To be sung, you know, to to, to to express. And so these are songs. And so it's really hard to kind of study them. You know what I'm saying? They're very difficult to interpret in many ways. But what we can do is we can come to them and we can, we can ask the question, you know, oh my, what does this say about the human heart? What, what does the song say about God in my relationship with him? That's what I want to do as we walk through this psalm. There's the cry of the troubled heart. This is just, again, just to give you an outline in your mind's eye. There's the cry of the troubled heart, verses one through six. There's the questions. See, these questions start to rise up from the troubled heart. And then there is on the back end, I'm I'm picking a big chunk and just calling it the remembrance of the troubled heart, verses 11 through 20. We're just going to take it a little section at a time. On the back end, I'm going to offer you, and I do this with fear and trepidation, but I'll offer you some wisdom that you might receive and that I might trust as well. The cry of the troubled heart, verses 1 through 6. The psalmist sang... My voice rises to God and I will cry aloud. My voice rises to God and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. In the night, my hand was stretched out without weariness. My soul refused to be comforted. When I remember God, then I am disturbed. When I sigh, then my spirit grows faint. Selah. Uh, this word Selah, by the way, 
uh, different folks kind of put a different meaning on it. Here's the bottom line. And this is on the, the highest authority I could go to, which was Michael Easley. I went in and said, Michael, you know, what the Selah, this guy says it's a pause. This guy says it's a music. He goes, and typical Michael, no, nah, don't worry about it. Says, they don't know what it means. Just, you know, keep moving. <laughs> keep moving. Selah, you know. Um, you have held my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the years of long ago. I will remember my song in the night. I will meditate with my heart and my spirit ponders. Let's stop there. The cry of the troubled heart. Just a few things. He, let's just note he cried aloud. This guy, this guy he wasn't just thinking these thoughts. He expressed these thoughts. Now, here's what we know. God knows what we're thinking. God knows what you're thinking. So, so God, you know what I'm thinking. Take note of what I'm thinking. That's not the way it works. God doesn't need, God doesn't need us to articulate it. We need to articulate what's in there to say it. It's for our benefit, not his. Um, there are some of us in the room that, you know, it just naturally blur, 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 just blurts out of us. You know, there's some of us on this stream. Then there are some of us over here that are like, mm, you don't say that. Mm-mm, you don't say that. Mm, you know, that keep it all, mm, whatever. I, I don't know where it is, but there's somewhere in between here because the psalmist clearly, the psalmist, not just this psalm, express, they express some taboo stuff. They say some things that are in here that they declare and they speak and they get it out. Alexander McLaren, early 1800s, wrote this. I think I mean, I'm reaching back to some ancient uh, writers in these things because I think they know it best. I think they thought about it the most. And he said it this way. He said, doubts are better put in plain speech than lying diffused and darkening like poisonous mists in the heart. A thought, be it good or bad, can be dealt with when it is made articulate. How about that? A thought can be better dealt with when it is made articulate. Formulating vague, you know, formulating, making your thoughts articulate is like cutting a channel in a bog for the water to run out. One gets it together in manageable shape and the soil is drained. We don't think of bogs that much around here. It's a swamp. It's, he's saying when you articulate the, the thought, it's like the channel's cut in the bog in the swamp and it begins to drain out. Don't articulate it and the, the bog remains the bog. We don't know what brought this man's trouble. It doesn't really matter. Uh, what we do know is there is a hurt that refuses to be comforted. Have you ever had one of those? What we know is there is a picture here of praying through the night without weariness. In other words, he says, I held my hands up. Just, it's, it's him saying this. I, they held their arms up. They prayed. And he said, I prayed all night. My arms didn't even get tired. Nothing worked. And so what we know is there is a hurt that even prayer does not relieve. Have you ever felt one of those? Some of the things that I'm saying, you kind of go, ooh, that's blasphemous. And I'd go, ooh, I know. 
I want you to know this message is for a spiritually mature audience. I, I really mean this. You know, this is, a, this is not a psalm. Let's just say you know a friend that has just trusted Christ. This is not the one you go to. I'm so glad you trusted Christ. Hey, read Psalm 77, you know? No, you, you send them to the Gospel of John, you know, and they grow up, they mature, and then they read Psalm 77. And it begins to make sense of what's gone on in their world. Look again at verse 3. When I remember God, then I am disturbed. When I read verse 3, I'm disturbed. Are you? You ever been somewhere? You ever been in a place where your thoughts of God made it worse? That sounds bad, doesn't it? When you're there, it's no accident. You can't sleep. And when you can't sleep, you finally get to that place where you can't, as he says, speak. It gets worse. Because you get to that place and you can't sleep, you can't speak, but you can't quit thinking. The thinker won't turn off. And you just, in these thoughts and... He gets down to where he ponders and he's got these questions that rise up. The psalmist here, by the way, is also thinking about the good old days. So, so note that he's saying, I remember the songs in the night. In other words, I remember the times when you were faithful. Oh, I remember those great times when it was so good. But even when he remembers, in other words, he's trying to drag that memory into his present trouble to kind of lift him out. It doesn't work. The questions of a troubled heart, verses 7 through 10. He pon- and my spirit ponders. And here's what he pon- here's where the questions start running out of him. Will the Lord reject forever? And will he never be favorable again? Has his loving kindness ceased forever? Has his promise come to an end forever? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Or has he in anger withdrawn his compassion? Selah. Ooh. Let me boil these six questions down, I think, to their essence, if I can. I mean, they're, they're, you could pound, you put them all together, and it's not nice, it's not good. You know, when you, when you and I are in the place of trouble, and we're trying to find something to hold on to that won't move. Imagine, you know, quicksand, whatever, and you're going down, or the, the ground is moving, it's shaking, and you're trying to get to bedrock. You're trying to get to that, okay, this ain't moving. Everything else can fall away, but I'm finally on it. It's not going to move. When he's trying to get to that. And here's what that is. Is God faithful? And is he good? Mm. See, because if he's not, then the problem you have is, is not a problem at all. This is the problem if he's not, because then he's not God. Is God faithful? And is he good? You see, it's got to be both. And he's reaching, he's asking we were, I was with uh, Michael and Bill and, and, and a couple of us were together and we were, we, we were um, watching a movie and, and Michael's a big movie buff and so he, he wanted to see and the movie he's always talking about it, he's always quoting from it. It's one of his favorites, which explains a lot. No country for old men. 
Some of you are going, ooh, you get the chills when I say it. And I, I do too, now that I've seen it. Ooh, you know, I've got, but there, there's a guy in that movie, you know, oh, Anton Sugar, you know, he's, he's the guy. Can I say this? The dude, it's really weird because even in the movie it says this. He's very principled. It's like, if you could say this, he's faithful. I mean, he doesn't violate his principles, but ooh, he is not good. You know, it's like he's bad to the bone and can't, and he's always bad to the bone, you know. But God's good, okay? And he's always good. That's where he's asking. That's where he's going. Now, just to relieve you of some tension, the answer to all the questions is no, never. No, he's never going to forget. He's never, because God, you know, God is God. But the questions came out. It's the question of a troubled soul. And I think we ask this question all our life. Is God good? Is he, is, he, is he faithful and is he good? I think we ask it our whole life and you're going, well, Lloyd, I'm not asking it. I go, well, live long enough, you know. I think there are times we do. I think there are times in life where we answer the question and, you know, is God faithful? Is God good? Yes. Yes. And I think there are seasons in life when the answer is, hmm, feel like it. And can I say this? There are times in life when it just comes up, uh, no. Mm. Mm -mm. Now, I'll say this as one of your teaching pastors. I've certainly felt that at times. Said it. Yeah. I don't don't think he he can't be. If this is this and he's God and this is not and mm, Most biblical scholars believe the whole psalm hinges on verse 10. Here's what most biblical scholars don't agree on. They don't know what it means. (laughs) We don't know what it means. (laughs) What I mean is we don't know the right translation of verse 10. It's very difficult. If you've got an NIV Bible, verse 10 says this, To this I will appeal the years of the right hand of the Most High. Okay, there's textual support for that. that He's going, wait, I'm going to remember God's right hand. Um, the NASB, which we teach from, and what I've got in front of me, it says this. Then I said, it is my grief, it's my affliction that the right hand of the Most High has changed. And I'm going to go with this, that coming out of these questions in the context, he's, he's asking questions, has he changed? And then he says the unutterable phrase, is God not good forever? And then he just, God's change. It's like, And then the whole psalm shifts. We're going to see that in a moment when we look at the remembrance. That he, the focus changes, the the, the tone changes. I don't know what happened. We don't know what happened when he said that. Now this is just speculation. I don't know, but I'm just going to, I'm going to insert myself into this guy's shoes at some level. But, you know, he said it and it's one of those things. Have you ever found yourself where you said something and it could be true, whatever, but you said it and right when you said it, it's like you said it and you went, gosh, I shouldn't have, and you want to bury it, but you said it. You can't, you said it. You said it. There it is. You know, it's like, oh gosh, I did. And it's like, there's a moment of clarity and you back away from it. I did, I said it. But then you take it and you put it in its right spot and you 
You get clarity. You ever have that? I'll, I'll never forget reading. This is, I bet this is 30 years ago. Philip Yancey's classic book, Disappointment with God. I've said this to y'all before, so not new, but he wrote a sentence that was so clear and uncomfortable and true that I just, it just took me back and I've never forgotten it. He said, it seems the alternative to disappointment with God is disappointment without God. And when I read that, I went, oh, wait, or that, that's, hmm, let me think, let me, let me think about that. Because <laughs> I'm pretty upset with God right now, but the only alternative is then to be upset, but then with no God. And when you do, when I did, I just went, whoa, let me, let me reorient myself. You see, it just woke me up. I, I just wonder if he felt that when he said that. Because things change in verses 11 through 20. Listen to what he says, the remembrance of a troubled heart. I shall remember the deeds of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all your work and muse on your deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your strength among the peoples. You have by your power redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph, Selah. By the way, that word power is right arm. Remember in the, in, in the previous verses, he's saying you're right. The right arm of God, by the way, in the Bible is always the arm of salvation. It's the, I'm in trouble. His right, it's not his left hand arm. You know, it's his right arm that comes down. It's his power. It's his might. It's his redeeming. And previously, the psalmist says your right arm, your right arm is shriveled up. Your right arm is changed. Your right arm is not. But mm, something happened. And now he says you redeem. You've, you have by your power, by your literally right arm redeemed your people. Then he describes the exodus coming through the Red Sea. The waters saw you, O God. The waters saw you. They were in anguish. The deeps also trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth a sound. Your arrows flashed here and there. The sound of your thunder was in the wilderness. The lightnings lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was in the sea and your paths in the mighty waters. And your footprints may not be known. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. The remembrance of the troubled heart. He is remembering, but it's not the first remembering of the psalm. You see, in verses 1 through 6, he's remembering. Remember? He, he remembered in the night. I remember, my, I remember the song, the things I was happy. But there's a shift. Now, here's one way to look at this shift. If you take the psalm, these are not exact numbers because, you know, different translations kind of have, have, have different words. But if you take the psalm in verses 1 through 10, the personal pronouns, me, my, I, he says it 20 times. Me, my, I, me, my, I, me, my, I, I, me, my, I. Verses 11 through 20, personal pronouns, three. They're gone. If you take the first 10 verses and say, okay, how many times does he say you, your, as to God? You, your. So about five. Verse 11 to 20. Over 20 times. It's, it's like me, my, right? And then it's like, it all flipped. It's you, your, you, your. 
he's remembering over here about his own life, so to speak. He's remembering I, it's, it's the center of his remembering is what, what happened to me and what... And I want to suggest this, when he makes the shift, he's now remembering not, I'm going to say this a couple different ways. He's not remembering his story, he's remembering God's story. It's a big difference. And he's, it's, it's now, here's the key thing to keep in mind, I'm going to come back to this. He's remembering the acts of God as revealed in his word. He's remembering now the acts of God, the historic acts. I'm talking about things that literally happen in their historic acts as revealed in the word. A big shift for this man. I'll come back to that when I wrap up in a moment. He gets very specific about God's redemptive acts. The images here are of the, the, the crossing of the Red Sea, but keep in mind that the sea, the deep, the dark, storm. These are all bad things. These are all like, ooh, don't like that. They were terrified of those things. These were, these were the place of dark, evil, not good. You know, and, and he personifies it to, to, to say the things that people are terrified of are terrified of me, you know, God. They're terrified of, of God because God's over them. But there's more. The chaos is not only terrified of God, the chaos is God's way. Ooh. Uh, it is the place of his paths. Uh, you, you can't see his footprints there, but it is his way of wisdom. Mm. I didn't see that coming. Mm. And then the psalm ends kind of abruptly, doesn't it? Well, and it says, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. You know, most, most many of the psalms go like this. God, I can't. Ah. Oh, God, you've done this. You're good. Ah, I see your hand. Oh, praise you, God. Praise you, God. That, you know, mm, this one goes, uh, uh, you got, I try, can't get out. But you've done this. Uh, 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 you know, and, and it's left what? It's left to us, isn't it? Will we trust, now watch this, will we trust that his way of wisdom is through the It's in the wilderness. Mm. He led me there. <sighs> but we're left to decide. Let me offer these thoughts. Possible wisdom from the psalm. Let's say a few things. Number one, Trouble is for saints and sinners alike. Y'all, we're not immune. Hmm. Trouble is for saints and sinners alike. It's not a mark of immaturity or necessarily a consequence of disobedience. It is 
God at work in his marvelous, mysterious, sometimes awful, glorious ways known only to him. And when there will we come to the place, I'm going to say it like this, you know, faith ultimately is going to come to a place where it says, you're God, you can do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want, wherever you want, to whoever you want. You can do it however you want, whenever you want, whenever you want. You see that, that that's faith. You're God, you can do that. Even, even put me in the sea, take me through it. But I'm in it and in the storm. Uh, Charles Simeon, another 18th century pastor, preacher, says it this way. Speaking of this, this back end of the psalm, I love the way he says it. He says, this was most mysterious. Yet we are told on infallible authority that he led them by the right way. He led this back, verse 19. In truth, that dispensation, he's talking about that story of the Exodus has afforded the richest instruction to the church from that period to the present hour and will continue to do so to the end of time. And it will be found that his darkest dispensations toward us also are the most replete with instruction for our souls. It is usually those who are most exercised with trials that know most of themselves and most of God. Whenever, therefore, his dealings with us appear strange and inexplicable, let us compose our minds with the reflection suggested toward the close of this psalm. Thy way is in the sea, and thy path in the great waters, and thy footsteps are unknown. Psalm 19 tells us anything I think at some level it tells us God puts us in there and you can't figure him out it's inexplicable at some level but not unknown to him I wrote in my notes I said unpredictable does not equal unfaithful but if you think you can predict what God's doing next then we got a problem because now we have two gods apparently although we still only have one you see but there's a level which he is unpredictable. You know what I'm saying. I'm not, I don't want to disparage God. I don't, I don't want to speak blasphemy by any means, but he can do what he wants, when he wants, how he wants, where he wants. And he, here's, the, here's the question. That's not the issue. He can, he can do all that. The question is, okay, but is he, is he faithful and good? See, that's the bedrock that we stand on. And it's the one he was certainly moving toward. Here's a, a corollary to this, if I can offer. God grows us by his silence and distance as much as by his voice and nearness. I don't like that any more than you do. But it certainly seems true from the testimony of Scripture. God grows us by his silence and distance as much as by his voice and nearness. Now you talk about something that takes some maturity to swallow. I don't expect everybody can swallow that. That, that, that takes a level of maturity to swallow. 
And this final thing, if I can offer this, I'm going to go back to the statement I made earlier that when he remembered, he was now remembering in verses 11 through 20, he was remembering the redemptive activities of God as recorded in the scripture. That, that kind of says pretty plain, but there's something really profound, I think, buried within that. And I'm going to say it this way. My I keep a journal, you know, as part of my own journey out of depression. And I used to do it many, many years ago, and then I quit. But I don't have time to go into all of, you know, what God did to bring me from my own, my own place. But part of that was journaling and articulating and connecting what I'm feeling to what I know is in my, see, you got to get this lined up. I I always took my feelings and went, "Mm, mm," and not to be overly simplistic, but You've probably heard it said depression is simply anger turned inward and at its core, it's what it is. Now there's more around it, but you know, I've learned in life that I've got to connect. I cannot separate my emotions from my faith. I cannot say there's an emotional life and then there's a spiritual life. No, no, no. They're together. God made us as one. We got to integrate those things. And that's been a part of my own journey. But journaling, you know, I I record what God's doing and what's going on in life. But let me say it this way. My journal is not nearly as important as my Bible. It's, here's what I mean. My journal is my record. And this, I want to be careful because I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. But follow me. My journal is my record of God's faithfulness. I'm not a very good judge of God's faithfulness, quite frankly. I don't think you are either. So as important as it is, I'm not saying don't keep a journal, you know, don't record God's faithfulness, but it's not as important and it's ultimately not foundational as the story of God's faithfulness as recorded and revealed in this word that never changes you got to go here. And you, and you remember, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's not, it's not about what he did for me. Don't base your life with God on me or on me telling you what he's like even at some level or here's what he did for me, you know? No, you got to go here. This is what he's like. Ooh. This says, without a doubt, he's faithful and he's good. And to not be, wouldn't, he would not be God. My journal's not nearly as important as my Bible. So what? Mm. Well, that's a lot to sit in, isn't it? Wow. Let's do this. Let me ask you to stand. Um, and if I may, let me just do this for us as our so What? Okay, what do I do with that? Well, let me just do this for you. You know, the Psalms are prayers at their core. And just briefly, can I send you out in this way? Can I pray this Psalm over you and for you? Father, I, I intercede on behalf of my brothers and sisters. And I pray that you might, by your spirit, give them a voice to say it. That what they're feeling, they would find a place, Lord, a safe place with you and with others where what's in there, 
the, the, the channel would be carved in the bog and the swamp of their soul and you'd begin to drain it out. I pray in that process you'd bring to mind questions that they have that are almost like the unutterable questions but they would feel the freedom to ask it and to come to you with that which is in their soul that they don't think they don't think you would you would want to hear or see and yet you do you already do so I pray they could bring that and then, Lord, by your spirit, would you turn the me, the my's, and the eyes into the you's and the yours? Um, not letting go of themselves, but holding to themselves and who you've made them to be. May they then see you and who you are and all that you are. And I want to join this prayer to say, help all of us to come to that place where we know you can do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want, to whoever you want. You're God, you're God, and you alone rule and reign, and your right hand is strong. Your arm has not shrunk back. And even when you lead us into the sea or the wilderness, and we can't see your footprint, by your spirit, take us back to your word, mindful that you're faithful and good. I ask in Christ's name, amen. You are dismissed.